The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Why are there so many religions and why don't they just get along? What if a mystic from another religion had a vision that agreed with your beliefs? Would you accept it or reject it? And why? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you each Monday by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. If you listen to the show for any length of time, you'll probably come to understand that we do not affiliate our point of view with any particular religion or denomination. And that's not to say that individual members of IANs are not religious. Indeed, many of them are quite faithful to their religious traditions because of the near-death or out-of-body experience they went through and learned from. I myself happen to be a Christian chaplain, but I work in a non-denominational hospital with people of many faiths or no faith at all. It's not my job to preach, but to listen and learn and support people where they are in their own spiritual journey. And IANS, as an organization, is the same way. We do not affiliate ourselves with any particular religious or non-religious point of view, because if we've learned anything from the near-death experience, it's that it is universal across all faiths and non-faiths as well. It's what happens to us all when we die, no matter what we believe. There are a variety of near-death experiences reported from those who have crossed over for a time, and They range from positive and beautiful to sometimes dark and scary. But what we see does not not seem directly connected to the religion we do or do not belong to during our lives on earth. Now, of course, this upsets those religions that claim to be the only one way to heaven, the only truth. If our experiences at death are universal, then the exclusive club we thought we belonged to on earth is not so exclusive after all. The reaction of religious faiths to the reality of the NDEs of their members is sometimes quite bizarre. For instance, some fundamental Protestant groups love hearing about distressing NDEs because they see it as proof there is a hell for non-believers. Of course, it's not for me to say, but I am personally wary of religions who are happier to find proof of hell than they are proof of heaven. If a religion retains its membership by promoting fear of God's judgment over faith in God's love, then... To my way of thinking, at least, they have their priorities screwed up. But that's just it. That's my way of thinking, not theirs. And each has a right to their opinion, their explanation of what life and death are all about. But what if a religious leader suddenly delivers a message that's at odds with his or her own traditions? For example, take a look at what is happening in the Catholic Church today with the homilies and declarations of the new Pope Francis. Some traditionally conservative Catholics are declaring him an anti-pope because of his approach to the universality of God's love. He has declared, for instance, that Jesus did not die on the cross just for Catholics or even just for Christians. He's been teaching that even atheists, if they live their lives with love and kindness, will be with him on the other side, to use his words. Now, that's radical, but uh, consider how Pope Francis' approach is already revitalizing the Catholic Church. I have met many former Catholics who are thinking of returning to the fold on account of what Pope Francis has to say. Well, I bring all this up today not because of Pope Francis, but because of Ariel Sharon, 
the Israeli leader who has been in a coma for eight years. The news that he is now experiencing organ failure and soon will be dead um, bring questions uh, to mind. For me, they revolve around why would anyone be sustained in a coma for such a long time, number one. And number two, can you imagine what OBE and NDE experiences Mr. Sharon has undertaken during his eight-year sleep? But there's a, an even bigger question that's sur- surrounding his impending death, and it has to do with the visions of a famous rabbi named Yitzhak Kaduri. Rabbi Kaduri died on uh, January 28, 2006, at the reported age of 108. His death came about uh, just about the same time as Mr. Sharon suffered the start of his coma. As a young man, the rabbi had been blessed by another well-respected rabbi, and this man prophesied that Rabbi Kaduri would meet the Jewish Messiah before the end of his life. Now, this was no small thing. For millennia, the Hebrew people have prophesied about and looked forward to the coming of a Savior. When Jesus came, some thought it would be him, but he didn't really fulfill their expectations of a king who would save them from their enemies on earth and establish a virtual heaven on earth in Israel. The Jews that did accept him as Messiah became Christians. And by combining the teachings of Jesus with the theology of St. Paul, they formed a religion that ultimately embraced Gentiles, foreigners, the uncircumcised, more completely than the Hebrew people of which Jesus was a part. The long and short is that Jewish people who still believe in the notion of Messiah at all are still waiting for the coming of their true Messiah. And it should be added that what so-called Christians have done to Jews in the name of Christ is a horrible blot on the history of religion itself. So it's no wonder that for a Jew, the name of Jesus has become more of a curse than a blessing to their people. So needless to say, Rabbi Kaduri's followers were greatly excited when he announced a few months before he died that he had had a vision of the Messiah and that he would tell them his name. The magazine Israel Today reported in their April 2007 edition that the rabbi's son, David Kaduri, confirmed that in his last year, his father had talked and dreamed almost exclusively about the Messiah and his coming. He said, my father has met the Messiah in a vision and told us that he will come soon. The article in uh, Israel Today goes on. A few months before Kaduri died at the age of 108, he surprised his followers when he told them that he met the Messiah. Kaduri gave a message in his synagogue on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, teaching how to recognize the Messiah. He also mentioned that the Messiah would appear to Israel after Ariel Sharon's death, which is what triggered my discussion of this subject today. Other rabbis predict the same, including Rabbi Haim Cohen, Kabbalist Nir Ben Azri, and the wife of Rabbi Haim Nevetsky. But Rabbi Kaduri was especially gifted. He was known for his brilliant mind, even up to the end, his photographic memory. He he had memorized the Bible, the Talmud, many Jewish writings. In fact, people would loan him books on the condition that he would commit them to memory. During his long life, he knew many Jewish sages and mystics. And Israel Today described him as charismatic and wise 
And chief rabbis looked up to him as a tzaddik, a righteous man or saint. So when he died, close to 300,000 people joined the funeral procession that, that walked through the streets of Jerusalem. But now comes the hard part, the part where religious differences spark many of the divisions the world has witnessed. Rabbi Kaduri had promised to reveal the name of the Messiah in a note to be opened a year after his death. And when the note was opened, the note indicated the name of the Messiah was Yehoshua, or Yeshua, the Hebrew name for Jesus. Now, needless to say, his Jewish followers were very upset. Some declared the note a forgery, and most rejected it out of hand. Never mind that the name is really just another version of Joshua, a common name that could have made the whole thing just a coincidence. Even a hint that the Jewish Messiah might turn out to be Christian Messiah, however, and perhaps even the Islamic Messiah as well, and they're also anticipating the return of the Messiah, was just too much information for most. And the whole business was quietly put aside. The press in Israel spent remarkably little time on it. Now, many Christians who have experienced NDEs I've reported meeting Jesus, and a good friend of mine who was not particularly religious um, during his, most of his life uh, wrote down his experiences of miraculous visions of Mary and Jesus. He was quite ill at the time. He was dying uh, from kidney failure, but he was clear of mind. And um, In fact, on one of these shows, I, I have his writings, and I'll, I'll, I'll have to report on some of the conversations that Ron Brown had. But to get back to Rabbi Kaduri, his his experience was by no means unique. And yet, because of his honored position in the Jewish tradition, his vision of the Messiah has resulted in remarkably little discussion in Israel itself. It's much like the Vatican's reaction to Pope Francis' suggestion that atheists might go to heaven. For the most part, stunned silence was the most telling reaction in both Jerusalem and at the Vatican to these two highly esteemed religious leaders coming out with their uh, very unorthodox views. But now that Ariel Sharon is dying and Rabbi Kadori's prophecy is about to be proven false or true, um, interest is rekindled. Those of us who have experienced NDEs know that some of the prized beliefs of many religions only serve to separate us from each other. But in the end, we will all be brought to a full recognition of the truth, and that is because we all will die and live to see the hereafter as it really is. And after that lengthy introduction, uh, I would like to uh, invite call-ins. If you'd like to call, our number is 888 463 Six seven four eight. That's eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. And um, you'll be calling Chicago, uh, where Talk Zone is located. Dave was telling me that they've had a foot and a half of snow and it's uh, bitterly cold there right now. But uh, give us a call anyway. One of the many services Ions provides to its members is a monthly near-death experience chosen from our extensive files and reports. And we have literally thousands of NDE and OBE experiences. 
Um, and let me uh, give you the uh, monthly story for uh, December of this year. Uh, if you're a member of IANS, this comes automatically to you via email, and they're always interesting. Rhonda picks them out from the files. And her introduction goes, the following is the December 2013 selection for the monthly near-death experience provided as a service to members of the International Association for Near-Death Studies. This selection was taken from accounts submitted to the IANS archives and is provided here anonymously. And by the way, if you have an experience that you would like to share uh, for the benefit of researchers, for the benefit of um, the stories being communicated, we IANS certainly welcomes your um, submission. I, one of the things I also do is uh, edit a quarterly journal uh, called Vital Signs, and we love to publish um, submissions of near-death experience or out-of-body experience or mystical experience uh, stories. So if you uh, are of a mind to, if you've experienced something like that, or if you have a, any kind of question, something that you'd like um, the editor to tackle, that would being me, uh, you, you're very welcome to uh, send a submission to vitalsigns at ins.org. Anyway, back to the story. This month's account is from a young person who had become gravely ill and passed out. Instead of having memories of traveling away from the body, this person simply remembered being in a dark place and then being in a heavenly place. Fascinating details of heaven include talking with trees and a flower and seeing the words they exchange traveling through the air. After returning, this visit sparked the desire to raise one's vibrational level and to serve as an example of sources intention in the world, sources being a capital S. This person wished to resonate what source would want to communicate through us and discover an ability to communicate which made this possible. So here is the story I submitted. In May of 2001, I was 22. I became very weak. It was hard for me to get around. Trying to swallow was even worse. I went online to find out what was wrong. I'll never forget the day I found my diagnosis. After reading about myasthenia gravis and spotting the mortality rate at 80%, I was motivated to find answers. After a few trips to the doctor, I was admitted to a hospital. After many tests, my self-diagnosis was proven correct. My NDE didn't come from the operating table or anything medically done to me. After I had settled into my condition, he puts that in quotes, I was entertaining friends one night in, the, in my new apartment, and as the last one left, I had a really bad feeling. I asked him to stay, but he said he had to work in the morning. After everyone left, I lay down on my couch to watch a movie. I fell asleep, and within a couple of hours, I woke up gasping for air. I managed to make it out of my apartment to the neighbor's door and started pounding. I saw the numbers on the door float up as I started to black out and fall to the floor. Luckily, an upstairs neighbor was up and heard all the commotion. He called 911. By the time the medics got there, my heart had stopped, but my life hadn't. I'm not sure how long I was really there, but the reports from the medics say I didn't have a heart rate for 90 minutes. Everything went white as I was blacking out. 
It seemed that I spent what seemed like two days in complete darkness. I don't remember anything but what felt like a room that went on infinitely of darkness. Then, after the blackness, I watched myself walk into what seemed like a grassy field. There were pine trees and mountains in the background, along with a lake. After watching myself walk into this heaven, I was pulled into my spiritual body so I could view this world for myself. I looked around. I was alone until I heard the trees talking telepathically to me. They welcomed me, but they never said where I was. I could see my telepathic thoughts go through the air. I could also see the trees' communication through the air. I didn't get to walk around too much. It was like I was there just to check in. I looked around after a brief interaction with the pine trees and noticed the grass was a beautiful yellow-green flowing in the wind but the wind was no stronger than a butterfly's wings flapping. Everything seemed so alive. I was standing there in heaven, taking it all in, when I felt something tap my foot. I looked down, and it was a five-petal flower like the the ones I would draw when I was younger. I thought it was just a gorgeous flower and bent down to smell it. As I was smelling the flower, it spoke to me, Then it was like I got sucked into the flower, and then I was awake in my hospital bed with my mother looking over me. I'll never forget how disappointed I was to be back. Ever since my experiences, I've had three that are clinical, 19 minutes, 13 minutes, and 15 minutes. I've had the ambition to vibrate as high as I can, to resonate what source would want to create through through us slash me when I saw heaven. It took me 12 years, but I finally realized something. If heaven and source create us, then I want to be the example. People don't believe what you say you saw, but they will believe what spirit can create through you. My experience has left me with a gift. I can see source every day now. I see and it communicates with me. It wasn't anything too much at first other than to sing a love song or tell me that I am loved. But I did learn to be the example from heaven through Source's words. And that's where that ends. And that's our um, NDE story from the Files of Ions for December. Um, don't think we've had any uh, call-ins. So the lines are open. If you would like to to give us a call, the number is 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. One of the reasons I think that we do not have as many callers as we would um, like it's because so many people listen to this show as they're archived afterwards. Past that point, of course, past the point of the live broadcast at 11 a.m. Eastern um, on Mondays, you can't really call in to a show that's already been recorded. But it's there. It's um, it's available uh, for listening. This show will be archived by this afternoon, and uh, if you want to hear it again, and if you want to um, do some research on Rabbi Kaduri, there are uh, several things, if you Google his name, that you will find 
uh, on the internet. Now, I think what I'll do, since we have the time, is present you with another story from the International Association for Near-Death Studies. This uh, was called Kissed by a Marshmallow. This is my amazing NDE, the writer goes uh, on to say. In my late 20s, I was in the neurointensive care unit of the hospital for bleeding in the brain, and I told the nurse I need to see a doctor. Something is worse. This is the worst I've ever felt in my life. She told me, I think you're just having an anxiety attack and left the room, but I knew she was wrong. And by the way, (laughs) as an aside, as a chaplain, if you do feel something's wrong and you feel a nurse or a doctor is not paying attention, you are your own advocate at that point, and uh, you have to be the squeaky wheel. I tell this to patients in the hospital all the time because so often uh, they are just, uh, you know, a nurse with all the responsibilities he or she has is so busy. They're thinking about the next thing they have to do, and they don't always have the time to listen. But they will listen if you talk loudly enough. So. Do not hesitate. Um, All of a sudden, I saw three men in white robes standing at the front and sides of my bed. They looked as though they were on fire with a one-inch flame around their bodies. I was terrified because I wanted to help put the fire out, but I did not know where to find the fire extinguisher. I realized these guys were not even in pain or distress, and I thought, wow, this is really strange. Then I looked at the fire and realized it was brighter than a thousand suns. But you could stare at it without hurting your eyes, yet it didn't light up the corners of the hospital room. Although I did not recognize their faces, it was as if I had known them my whole life and we were good friends. The one on my left put both hands in the air and I left my body. We floated straight up through the ceiling, face first, which I thought might be painful, but it did not hurt at all. We went through the hospital roof and started to ascend into the sky. I turned my body around face down and saw the roof of the building from the perspective of the sky. My view was later confirmed to be true from satellite imagery of the hospital that proves this was neither a dream nor a hallucination. I looked at the grass and the color was different. It was extra vibrant, glowing and pulsating and it was like a feast for the eyes. This is the best I can describe it because the English language does not have the right words. And I might add, no language has the right words for some of these uh, mystical visions that we can have. One angel in front and two on the side, we went up high in the clouds. Then we started moving horizontally, going faster than an airplane, and they did not need wings to fly. I thought to myself, shouldn't friction be causing me pain from wind pressure? The angel in front spoke without using his mouth. He stated, there's no friction here. I said, mind to mind, why isn't gravity making me fall? He replied, there's no gravity here. I remembered learning the temperature in the clouds is extremely cold, and I thought, why aren't I cold? There's no cold here, was the response. I started to think about my job and university, and the angel told me, there's no stress here. I asked, why aren't we talking with our mouths? He responded, in earth, talking with your mouth makes your throat dry. Then I said to him, I'm glad you speak English. How many languages do you speak? He said, all of them. 
I told him I wanted to ask some other things. I asked him for the meaning of life. He told me, for the entertainment of the spirit realm. I asked him when the world will end, and as a messenger of God, he told me the answer. Yet, he mentioned there would be some things I would not be allowed to remember, and this was to be one of them. The whole time we were flying, all of a sudden we started doing acrobatics, and we flew straight through a cloud. It was exhilarating, the most fun I'd ever had. It is uh, kind of like being on a roller coaster when you go over a hill and get that wee feeling multiplied by a thousand. Flying through a cloud is like being kissed by a marshmallow. It's the best I know how to describe it. So awesome and cool. Next, the angel in front turned around in slow motion facing toward me, and all four of us stopped in midair. He said... We have to go back. I said, no, no, this is so cool. I, I want to feel like this forever. I pleaded with him. I don't have any children. I'm not married. No one down there needs me. I said, the, the brain I have down there is injured. I don't want to go back to that body. I'd like to stay here. I was told you will be made whole. After that, I was given a life review. I went back in time to when I was a baby and in my mother's arms, and I was happy and loved without any stress. And then I looked at my mother, and instead of it being her somehow, I knew it was Jesus. He held me in his arms and hugged me. The love I felt was unlike anything on earth. It was perfect because the one I was with has no sin. It brings a tear to my eye because I long for that hug again. It was the most amazing thing ever, and I get homesick. I was not allowed to remember what God looks like. Next, I was shown when I was five years old playing in the sandbox, all alone, talking to God in an audible voice, telling him my hopes and dreams. I was told by the angel that God absolutely loves it when a child talks to him. Next, I was shown my sales job as a young adult, misleading a customer to make a sale. The angel revealed to me that the demons in hell rejoice when someone tells a lie. All of a sudden, I was in my mother's home, and I saw my mom on the couch crying uncontrollably, which I had never seen before in my life. Then, in less than a second, we were transported to my best friend's house, ten miles away, and I witnessed her shaking and crying violently, which I had never witnessed. Apparently, this was a vision of the future, had I been allowed to stay, and they would be mourning my death. So I told the angel, okay, okay, I'll go back. And instantaneously, I was back in my body. Kissed by a marshmallow. There are many of these stories as part of the um, Ions collection. And many researchers have drawn on uh, the similarities, done studies of um, s- um, light references and... Um, the notion of music uh, that people hear sometimes when they die. There are many, many um, different uh, takes on something which you would think would be universally the same, but it's not. Uh, some people see uh, deceased relatives when they go over. Some people see angels when they go over. Some people see their pets. Yes, believe it or not, some people see um, their uh their favorite cats or dogs, 
waiting for them. There is a, it's a feeling of coming home to a home so, so splendid that, uh, that no other home has ever been, uh, been like it. Well, I could go on and on with this, but we are running out of time. I do want to mention that next week, uh, Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll be talking with Admir Serrano. Serrano is, um, Mr. Serrano is, um, the author of The End of Death, How Near-Death Experiences Prove the Afterlife. And, uh, he is a researcher, writer, lecturer on the par- on paranormal phenomena such as OBEs, which he has um, trained himself to do, and near-death experiences, also deathbed visions, after-death communications, reincarnation, mediumship, and the afterlife. Yes, this is a brand new book. Um, It's described as a testimonial to the existence of consciousness independent of the brain, as well as a wake-up call to the true purpose of life. And uh, Mr. Serrano tells many compelling stories about those who have had near-death experiences and, as a direct result, transformed their lives. Each one learned this life is a school where we deepen our ability to be compassionate and wise. He encourages us to take in this pers- to take in this perspective. His message is a gift of loving kindness. Well, thanks for your interest in NDE Radio and INS. I would encourage you for more information on the association, for news about NDEs, and for many of the services that IANS provides, please go to our website, iands.org. And thanks for listening. Join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. Music.